When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC and your daily reminder that the Reds are top of the league and Carabao Cup winners and still in the FA Cup, and still in the Europa League, and have a game tonight. Liverpool take on Southampton in the FA Cup tonight, in a game where, really and truly, I think most of us would prefer not to have on the schedule, given the chase for the Premier League title and the injury issues. But this is a game that if we win it, can actually go in our favour in the chase for the Premier League. Because, as I've said before, if we win this game, the sixth round will take place the weekend of the 17th and 18th of March. That's the weekend we were due to play Everton. So you slot an FA Cup game in there push the league game back after the international break because there's no gap to play it in the interim. And all of a sudden, by the time we play Everton, we have Trent, Allison, and Curtis back. And that would be enormous. That would mean that of the players that we actually rely on, only Diogo Jota and Joel Matip, who's done for the season, will be missing. Because Thiago and Besetic we don't rely on because they've barely played this season. Now, obviously somebody else could get injured in the interim, but we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope that that doesn't happen. It looks like Dom, Darwin and Mo should be good for this weekend. Jürgen said they were touch and go for tonight, which to me means back for the weekend. They might get 15 minutes off the bench tonight, just so they don't go in cold into the Forest game. Hopefully we wouldn't need them tonight. Now we're taking on a Southampton team that is in a little bit of a dip. 
and also has played a lot of football in the last little while. Like in February, they have played six league matches and an FA Cup game. They've lost three of their last four games. They lost away to Bristol. They lost home to Hull and they lost home to Millwall, who are who were going into that game scrapping against relegation. They've beaten Rotherham, who are the worst team in the championship. They've beaten Huddersfield, who are dreadful. They did beat West Brom away, which was a decent result. West Brom are pushing for the playoffs. And they beat Watford, who are kind of mid-table. The West Brom one is the only really impressive result there. They've looked shaky the last couple of games. There's a lot of talent in the squad, even with the players that they sold last season, the ones that they loaned out. The one that they loaned out in January, Carlos Alcaraz, who's a really, really nice player. There's still talent there. You've got Gavin Basunu, the goalkeeper, but he hasn't played any of the FA Cup games. So he might not play. Joe Lumley has been the FA Cup goalkeeper thus far. They've got Kyle Walker-Peters, really good right back, but he hasn't played any of the FA Cup games. Neither has Ryan Manning, the starting left back. So if they stick with that, if Russell Martin, their manager, sticks with that and continues to rotate, you'd wonder would Jan Bednarak play? He's one of the starting centre-backs and he's played one of the FA Cup games. Taylor Howard Bellis, the other starting centre-back, he has played two of them. So chances are one of them might play next to Jack Stevens, who's played all three. Joe Aribo hasn't played in the FA Cup. He's a rotation midfielder, but it is odd that he hasn't played in the FA Cup. Adam Armstrong's a regular starter in midfield for them. Uh, he hasn't, or, or in attack, he hasn't started an FA Cup game. Che Adams has. He started two. Will Smallbone starts in midfield, and he has started two of the three FA Cup games. The rest of their spots are largely rotation. There isn't really a nailed-down starter. Like, Shea Charles in the league has started 13 and come off the bench in 15. He's played all three. Uh, Samuel Odozi regularly plays on the wing. He started 15, come off the bench in nine. He hasn't started in the FA Cup. Ryan Fraser has started 10 and come off the bench in 20. He's only started one. So it's hard to pinpoint what their team will be tonight. Normally, you'd go up against a championship team and you'd have a rough idea. But with Saints, they haven't... Not that they haven't taken the FA Cup seriously. Of course they have. But... At the same time, they're not playing their best 11. They haven't needed to. In the first round, or the third round, rather, uh, the first round they were involved in, they played Walsall. Fraser got two, Mara scored, and Adams scored, and they win 4-0. They drew Watford away in the fourth round. They went 1-0 down. Matthias Martin scored for Watford. Stuart Armstrong scored an equaliser in the last minute, and they got the replay. Mara got two and Adams got one and they won 3 0. That's been their run in the FA Cup thus far. They haven't played a Premier League team or anything resembling a Premier League team. 
Watford, I know, were in the Premier League a couple of years ago, but they've sold off most of their best players. They have a couple of dynamite youngsters. Matthias Martin's been one of them. Yasser Espria been another. Uh, Kone, the Canadian midfielder, been a third. <clears throat> but they don't have a Premier League caliber squad. So Southampton going up against us is an enormous step up for them. The likelihood is, though, that we'll play largely a team of young players. So they're not really going to be going up against a full-strength Premier League team or anything resembling it. You would expect that Kelleher starts. In defence, I'm guessing Bradley, Gomez, Kwanzaa, and Costas. In midfield, Bobby Clark, James McConnell. The third one I'm not sure on. I wonder if he'll play Alexis. I do wonder if he'll play Alexis just because he doesn't really have any other options. I think if Gravenberg was fit, this would be one for him. Um, And then an attack, I, I would guess Cody Gakbo starts. I think Jaden Dans will start. And then the third spot is is up for debate. I've seen some people suggest Harvey Elliott. Harvey couldn't really walk after the game. On Sunday, he was so tired. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, hopefully, we get the win and hopefully push that Everton game back. That's the big reason to want to win tonight. Obviously, if you want to win the cup, you want to win the cup. But of the three we have left, it's the one I'd happily give away and chase the Premier League and the Europa League in, in that order of importance. Uh, Melissa Reddy has reported today that the Saudi Pro League intends to make another bid for Mo Salah in the summer, but the belief is that Mo, who, in my opinion, was leaning towards going last summer because of the uncertainty around the club, because of how bad we'd been last season, but the belief is that now he wants to stay playing at the highest level. And that has to play in our favor because the Saudi Pro League is not of a good level. It is utterly dreadful. Utterly dreadful. It like Those games are largely unwatchable. You've got a bunch of stars, most of them well past their best, doing whatever they want. Very few of the attackers and midfielders put in any effort off the ball. And with the greatest of respect, the lads who aren't stars, the locals, the plumbers and the school teachers, it's just unwatchable. Those lads wouldn't get a game in League Two. They just wouldn't. Unwatchable Drek. Mo can stay with us another three years and then he can reassess. Like, Mo will turn 32 this summer. If he gives us three more years, he'll be 35. The Saudi money will still be there for him. Simple as that. The Saudi money will still be there for him if he wants to do that. But if he gave us three more years, 
Now, bear in mind, there's still 23 games left this season. He's got 19 goals already. He won't play all 23, but you'd imagine he'd play about 20. Potentially 23 games left if we get to the finals of both FA Cup and and Europa League. Potentially 23 games left. You'd imagine he'll play, hopefully, fingers crossed, the rest of the league campaign. And by the way, if he plays the remaining 12 games, he'll play 33 games. That will be his lowest in the league since joining us after he played 34 the year we won the title. So maybe that's the key, having Mo play 34 or more games, 34 or less games. But if he plays 12 more games in the league, he'll play, I think, the Europa League games, at least one of the round of 16 He'd play the quarterfinal and the semifinal, you'd guess. Let's just say we get that far. That's another five games. And he'd probably play the sixth round FA Cup game if we get through tonight. So that's seven. So that's 19 more games, which would get him to 40 for the year. Sorry, to 47 for the year. I think he gets 10, 11 goals in that, which gets him to, you know, 29 or 30 for the season. But more importantly, gets him to about 215 for the club. At that point, if he were to do three more years and he could maintain the incredible levels of the last this season and the last three and go, you know, somewhere in that 28 to 30 range each season, which I don't see why he wouldn't. Yes, he will slow down a little bit, but his game is no longer predicated on just his speed. His movement, the spaces he finds, the positions he takes up and his intelligence, they're what make Mo great now. Like he could be looking at a case where come the end of those three years, he's up on 300 goals past Roger Hunt with just Ian Rush ahead of him. Imagine if we were able to say we got to witness start to finish a fella who scored the second highest number of goals for Liverpool. Then you start to you start to needle at him. You going to let Ian Rush finish ahead of you? Why don't you stay another few years, Mo? Chase down that record. I'm telling you, he could do it. He really could do it. If he stayed with this club till he was, let's say, 37, I think he could beat Rush. I do. I think he could beat Rush. Or get to a point where you'd give him that last year needing 10 or 12 goals. Anyway, gone off topic. I think Mo will stay. I think he'll sign a new deal. David Ornstein and my best friend Fabrizio Romano are both reporting that Liverpool plan to make another run at Michael Edwards. That the role they're looking to hand him would basically be the sporting CEO role. So basically replacing Mike Gordon rather than going back into his old role, he would go in 
as head of the entire football side. And there's nobody that would be a better fit in that role. There's also been some suggestion that Liverpool are looking at buying a second club, which is something that Edwards wanted in the past, was them to buy another club. Now, it's very interesting that he is not listed as a director of the company that he and Ian Graham set up together. Very, very interesting. Because it gives him a very clear out should he decide he wants to take a job. And the main reason for him leaving Liverpool will no longer be an issue come the summer. And now that a little bit of time has passed since the announcement, it wouldn't look like he was jumping in too quickly. The fact that Liverpool are going to go back and try again, to me, suggests that he he didn't shut it down quite as quickly as some would have you believe when they approached him the first time. So fingers crossed on that one. If you could get Edwards as your sporting CEO and then go with uh, Paul Mitchell or uh, Tim Steeten as your sporting director beneath him, you'd be in pretty great shape in terms of structure. Still a few bits to add here and there, but you'd be in pretty great shape. And then it's just all eyes on who the next manager is. Um, Oh, yeah. So, last week on Twitter, there was a bunch of United fans crying about Marcus Rashford. And there was a clip going around that I'm sure everybody has seen of Marcus Rashford putting in a, a very, very poor effort at pressing. And United fans were saying, oh, we should sell. We should sell him. And I said, I don't understand what they're doing here. I would take Rashford at Liverpool instantly. And I got about 40 responses to that. And I'd say it was about 60-40 in favour of, maybe even a little bit higher, in favour of people saying they wouldn't take Rashford at Liverpool. And I really don't understand why you wouldn't take Marcus Rashford at Liverpool. Like, Marcus Rashford is an exceptional footballer. A genuinely exceptional footballer. And I had people say, oh, I don't like his attitude. Marcus Rashford has been playing for United since 15-16. And this is the first time we're even considering that he might have a bad attitude. This is year nine for him in the United team. And it's the first time we're hearing that he might have a bad attitude. It's the first time there's been question marks over his work ethic. And what I would suggest is that points more heavily towards an issue with the manager rather than an issue with the player. Because if Rashford could play for Louis van Gaal, for Jose Mourinho, and for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, and never have any questions raised over his attitude or his work rate, then why is it different under Ten Hag? And the the answer would be because Ten Hag is a moron. 
And Marcus Rashford is probably sick of being so badly coached. Marcus Rashford is either the best player at United or the second best player at United. He's one of the best players in the Premier League when he's fitting in form. And his career to date comprises one FA Cup, two EFL Cups and a Europa League. He's never come close to winning the Premier League. He's never come close. I know they finished second. They weren't close to winning it. He's never come close to winning the Champions League. And he's probably fed up. He's probably fed up of bad managers and bad teammates. But, like, look at the numbers that Marcus Rashford has put together in his career to date. And tell me that he wouldn't improve us on the left side. In 15-16, as a child, he scored six, eight, sorry, he scored eight goals and had two assists in about 1,500 minutes. In 16-17, starts to play more. He has 11 goals and seven assists and plays 3,000 minutes. 17-18. It'll load eventually. Uh, <laughs> Christ. 17-18, he goes 13-9 and nine and plays about 2,700 minutes. Like, remember, he was born in 2007, and, sorry, in 1997. So he's 21 ending that season, and he's already putting up exceptional numbers. 18-19, he's 13-10 and 10 in about 3,300 minutes. Plays 47 games. That's another factor to mention here is how durable he's been. 18 games that first year, 53, 52, 47, 44. That's thus far. We've still got four more years to go. Then it's the, the 1920 season. He's 22 and 12 in 3,500 minutes. Across that, those forty four appear across forty four appearances. Twenty twenty one plays fifty seven games. Fifty seven games. He's twenty four by the end of the season. No, he's twenty three by the end of the season. He's playing fifty seven games. Twenty one goals, eleven assists. In 4,150 minutes. I don't care who you are. That's an immense season playing left wing. And remember, for much of his time at United, he's been playing left wing. Not left side of a front three. Left wing in a 4-2-3-1. That 2021 season, he repeatedly played through injury. And in that off-season, he had the Euros in summer 2021 
And then he had multiple surgeries after the Euros. Multiple surgeries. He had a really bad 21-22 season. 32 appearances. Just under 1,700 minutes. Five goals, two assists. It's a really bad season by his standards. Last season, he plays 56 games. He plays 4,300 minutes, 30 goals and 11 assists. Like, again, I don't care who you are. That's an immense season. Now, this season has not been great for him at all. This is the bad season. 31 appearances, 2,250 minutes, five goals, six assists. This is a bad season for him. This is the second bad season of his career. The first one was a result of being massively overplayed and then having multiple surgeries. I think this season, he's just fed up. And the reason I think that is because he reminds me of a a couple of our players from last season who looked entirely fed up. Trent and Virgil, who looked disconnected last season, completely and utterly, like they were fed up with a couple of things. And this season, they've got a renewed vigor. I wonder what changed. It's one for another day, maybe. But the fact of the matter is that Marcus Rashford, through his career, has produced really, really good numbers. He's played a little bit too much football is the one thing I would I would, would say. <clears throat> but you're talking about a guy who, what is he, 26? 26? He's got... 133 career goals, less a couple in the youth league. So it's 129, 128, actually, sorry, 128 and 74 assists. For a left winger, that's really good. I know he's played through the middle a bunch, but he has played the vast majority of his career on the left. He's a better player than Luis Diaz. He's a better player than Cody Gakbo. I think he's a better player than Diogo Jota. Certainly on the left. He would improve us. And prior to this season, there'd never been any question marks over his attitude or his work rate. Never. Quite the opposite. And the other reason that I would take Marcus Rashford at Liverpool is because he's a really good human being. Like a really, really good human being. Go and look at what he's done to try and end child poverty in the UK. Just go and look at what he's done. For a guy who, at the start of his campaign towards this, was 22. A guy who was still 22 when COVID began. And he did more 
to aid child poverty in the UK than the British government. He did that. And he has continued to work towards that ever since. He's an amazing young man. And not just the child poverty thing, he's the one that's pushing for an increase in the universal credit. He's the one pushing to make books more accessible for children whose parents can't afford to buy them books. He's the one trying to help people who are vulnerable, people who are underprivileged. That's even a horrible word, but, you know, he's the one that's trying to do better, trying to use his position and his platform to lift other people up, not push them down. And to me, to me, that's what our club is about. So that's why I would take Marcus Rashford at Liverpool because he's really fucking good and because he's a really good human being. Uh, there's plenty on this is Anfield and Anfield and uh, Liverpool.com. There's probably some good stuff on Anfield Watch as well. I haven't checked yet. Um, on Anfield Index. Oh, ah, how did they nearly forget? On the Mo thing. On the Mo thing. So, Mido or Mido tweeted yesterday that it was all agreed that Mo had signed contracts to go to Saudi Arabia, ignoring the fact that Mo still has a year left on his contract. Let's not forget, Mido is a professional Salah hater who slags Mo off at every possible opportunity. <clears throat> but let us not forget, this is a guy who nobody that worked with him at any stage in his career has anything good to say about. This is a man whose mindset is entirely rooted in jealousy because he wasted his talent. And he was an immensely gifted young player. Like, when he was at Ajax, he genuinely looked like he had the potential to be a star. And he pissed it all away. Just wasted his career. And nobody remembers him other than the fact that he's a troll on Twitter towards Salah. Salah was not, as a young player, expected to become one of the greatest players of all time. He wasn't expected to become a superstar. But he has, and he has transcended football. And this idiot is jealous. And all he's done with this tweet is attempt to create more noise around Mo and get attention for himself. 
So mid by name, mid by nature, fuck off. Anyway, AnfieldIndex.com. As a piece about tonight's game, there's a stat me up article about the Carabao Cup final. There's a preview for tonight. There's a piece about Mo. There's a piece about the kids. Podcast-wise, there are some belters. Uh, Obviously, Dave Davis has the press conference pod up. But Dave and Ben did the Media Matters stat me up for the cup final, and it is an absolute cracker. So make sure Ben Boxack is the best thing to happen to Anfield in the next in a while. What an addition. What an addition. And while I'm thinking of this, there are a couple of people on Twitter that I want people to go and follow because they're producing immense work, like genuinely immense work. So the first one is at Matrai Mark, M-A-T-R-A-I-M-A-R-K. He is producing outstanding work. Uh, he works for a company called XFB says they're an analytics company and he's an analyst there and he produces immense work. Like it's genuinely fantastic. And then his co-worker who, let me just pull this up. I just want to make sure I have the handle correct because if not, it's no use to you. Yeah, here it is. So it is at B-O-R-B-E-L-Y underscore I-M-O-R-E, Borbelli underscore Imri. Um, Yeah, these two lads are producing phenomenal work. And the company they work for seem really cutting edge and seem like they may well um, be a crowd to keep an eye on. So those two and Ben, three Hungarian lads, producing some of the best content around Liverpool right now. So make sure you're following all of them. And finally, there is a new Moby on the spot, win or go home. Trevin Jan having a look at the Carabao Cup, a look at ahead to Southampton and Forest Games. Unsurprisingly, this is a fantastic podcast because when you get two lads that are as good at what they do as Trev and Jan, the outcome is generally an exceptional podcast. So make sure you give that a listen. Make sure you give Stat Me Up a listen and make sure you listen to me tomorrow because otherwise they won't let me do this anymore if you don't listen. So tell everybody to listen to me. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. 
It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.